I'm Spencer Levy, and this is The Weekly Take. On this episode, we've got a room reserved for two VIP guests from the hotel world, a sector that's been hit hard during the pandemic and is emerging as one of the trickiest to reopen. We got to get through this crisis. We got to get a vaccine. We need a vaccine or a strong therapeutic, I think, to give businesses and groups the confidence that they need to travel again, that their employees are going to be safe. And I think it's going to take some time before that happens. That's Jim Rizzolio, the chief executive and president of Host Hotels and Resorts, an S&P 500 company comprising 80 hotels with over 46,000 rooms from South Florida to the South Pacific and beyond. There's going to be markets that recover quicker and there's going to be markets that take a little bit longer based on how the hotel accommodates its demand throughout a given year. That's the debate, but it's still a debate. And that's Bob Webster, who's been working with investors in the hotel sector since 1985 and now leads CBRE's Hotel Institutional Property Group and is one of the most prominent investment sales professionals in the entire industry. So here's your key, and this is the destination for an in-depth conversation about the hotel business. That's right now on The Weekly Take. Welcome to The Weekly Take, and this week we're going to talk about hotels. And hotels have been one of the most impacted asset types by the COVID-19 crisis. But to help us understand where we are today and where we're going, we have two of the leaders of the industry, starting with Jim Rizzolio, the president, CEO, and director of Host Hotels, calling in from California. Jim, welcome. Hey, Spencer. How are you doing today? Doing great. Great to talk with you. And next, we have Bob Webster, my friend, colleague, and vice chairman of CBRE, who is also the president of the Institutional Group for Hotels. Bob is calling us from Maine. Bob, welcome. Thanks, Spencer. Looking forward to spending some time with you. Jim, let's start with you. A lot of people in our audience might not be familiar with host hotels. Tell us who you are and what you do. Sure, Spencer. Look, I really appreciate the opportunity to have this podcast. Uh, Mr. Webster and I go back uh, over 25 years uh, now, and I, I got to tell you, Afraid so. a long time and a lot of crisis uh, that we've navigated together, but, uh, you know, nothing like this one uh, goes without saying. I know we'll get into that uh, in a little while, but let me tell you about Host. Host is the largest lodging REIT. We're publicly traded on the New York Stock Exchange. Our market cap today is roughly $8.7 billion. That's down meaningfully from where we were pre-COVID. We took a fairly big hit as everyone in lodging world did. We own 80 hotels, all full service properties, all upper upscale and luxury, uh, spread across really 22 markets, predominantly in the United States with broad geographic distribution. Some markets aren't open yet. Some markets are shutting back down. So we like the fact that we have geographic distribution. Bob, um, why don't you uh, tell the audience a little bit about what you do and and also uh, what Jim mentioned, your 25-year relationship. How'd you kick that off? Well, I was in, I guess, the first crisis together, right, Jim? Exactly. uh, In the 1990s, uh, which was a bad crisis, honestly. It was probably the worst credit crisis that the industry's ever experienced because of the S&P crisis. It was probably one of the best buying markets coming out of that crisis. Jim and I met actually on a golf course, and 
I've pretty much been beating him ever since. It's been great. It's been a great relationship for that many years. Yeah, I lose on the first tee with Bob all the time. You know, it's never handicapped yeah. early. But anyway, Jim and ahead. I do go way back. And, uh, you know, aside from uh, doing a considerable amount of business together, you know, we're, we're close friends as well. So Jim and I have been through these crises before. We will get through this. Uh, this is a defined event that's affecting demand in the industry. This event will go away at some point. And the big question is just the time of it. That's the variable that nobody can predict. From host perspective, we came into this year with the strongest balance sheet in the company's history. We have enough cash to take us through 2021 if we're in a worst case scenario, which thank goodness we're not in a worst case scenario. I mean, it fits and starts in drive-to leisure markets. But uh, what we've seen happen is, um, you know, our resort properties on the Gulf Coast of Florida, good example, right? Ritz-Carlton, Naples, over July 4th weekend, ran 60% occupancy at a $600 ADR, uh, which is pretty strong. And frankly, we think if it weren't for the surge in Florida of cases, we would have done better. We opened the one hotel, South Beach, which is on Miami Beach, I think June the 2nd or thereabouts. And as you know, the mayor of Miami, Dade, shut the beaches. So we did see about 20% occupancy at a healthy ADR at the one hotel, but uh, we were anticipating much stronger performance. So it really is, it just fits and starts. And uh, we think that's how it's going to continue to play out. What are some of the operational things you're doing to make your customers uh, more comfortable? You know, that's a really great question because in all of the consumer surveys that have been completed, the top of the list is cleanliness and safety. That's what they want. They want to be assured that their stay is going to be safe, that they're going to be in a sanitized uh, hotel room. And we think given the fact that 90% of our portfolio is run by the major brands, Marriott, Hyatt, Hilton, is a plus for us because the customers can take comfort that they are going to get into a hotel in public space that has been cleaned and sanitized. Starting August 30th, electrostatic uh, spraying at all of our Marriott hotels in the common areas, in the public space, uh, in the restaurants, and in all the meeting space, not in the guest rooms per se. I mean, we're doing a good job of cleaning the guest rooms. And, you know, when a guest checks out, the room is thoroughly sanitized. We've taken a lot of the collateral materials out of the room. So there are less things for people to touch uh, and to uh, leave, uh, potentially leave the virus on. And then we're, you know, we're gonna put a, we put a seal on the door uh, so that the next guest checking in knows that no one has been in that room. Uh, since it's been cleaned and sanitized. Keyless entry uh, is, is gonna be a big thing, I think, going forward. Uh, 80% of our rooms today have the capability of keyless entry. So we're testing out no-touch kiosks in the lobby where someone can just bring their phone in. If they don't wanna use their phone to check into the room, they can just open a code on the phone, touch it over the kiosk, and it will spit out a key for you. So. You know, that's another thing that we're doing to just uh, give people uh, peace of mind and, you know, less interaction with the guests. 
I think we're going to be requiring that masks are worn in all public spaces in the hotels. Um, it's something that we're discussing, and this is this would be uh, above and beyond what um, the local jurisdictions uh, might require. Uh, but again, safety and comfort is really critical. Let's get to the question that a lot of our investor clients are going to ask, and I'm sure Jim asks you every day. What's happened to values today? Well, there's been a few marks that have been made on a handful of hotels. If you drill down on those trades, I think the established average is probably somewhere between 25 and 35% of a degradation in value from where value would have been year-end 2019. So that's average. Now, a a durable asset uh, in a top-tier market is going to trade well inside of that. A, uh, a vulnerable asset in a secondary or less desirable market will trade well wide of that. If you look at the trades that, that some of the REITs have made, um, I think that's the bandwidth uh, of, of value. Uh, Sunstone just traded a, a hotel last week, for instance, and they, uh, in, in their release, uh, they said it was a 20% discount, and that was for a hotel in Baltimore. It was a full-service hotel. You know, the Baltimore market's experiencing the same demand crisis that uh, all other markets are. And so that was their stated uh, discount to their book value on that. So uh, I think that's instructive to where the market is today. Well, it would have traded worse if the Baltimore Orioles were not currently in first place, which they are. So we've got that going for us, right? right well, they're right. undefeated. Exactly. Exactly. Hey, I think you say the same about your home team there, Bobby, the Boston Red Sox. My Red Sox are undefeated too, Spencer, so sorry about that. We're all tied for first place today. So, uh, Jim, what Bob is talking about right now is the offense-defense question. How much are you and host on, on offense today saying this is a great opportunity for us to expand? We think clearly you're going to see a lot of opportunities coming out of this, probably meaningfully more than we saw coming out of 2008, 2009. Uh, just to, because of the severity of the decline and the time frame uh, of the decline, I don't think uh, a lot of people are going to be able to survive. I think it's still a little early. You know, there just aren't that many, quote, durable assets out there uh, that are that are trading uh, today. I think underwriting is going to be, you know, underwriting a hotel's operating performance. I'd love to get Bob's perspective on this. Uh you know, you're not going to be able to, to make a buy based on 2021 numbers or 2022 numbers. I really think you're going to have to um, to look out beyond 2022 to 23 and 24 and uh, wrap your arms around how you think a property is going to perform coming out of this. I mean, obviously, first things first, Spencer. I mean, we got to get through this crisis. We got to get a vaccine. We, we need a vaccine or a strong therapeutic, I think, to give businesses and groups the confidence that they need to travel again, that their employees are going to be safe. And I think it's going to take some time before that happens. I think the basic methodology is you take a baseline value of what you would have been willing to pay. And that's a debate in its own right, because, you know, obviously a seller is going to have uh, their own view on value and buyers are going to have a a, a different view on value. But assuming you can come to terms with that baseline, uh, then you need to really drill down on where is the demand coming from for a specific hotel. And you have to then make predictions as to how long it will take for that demand to come back. And uh, will it come back full force? Uh, and how long will it take to do that? I know uh, CBRE 
Hotels Research is predicting getting back to 2019 levels by the year 2023. That's across the entire industry. And there's going to be markets that recover quicker, and there's going to be markets that take a little bit longer based on how the hotel accommodates its demand throughout a given year. So uh, that's the debate. But it's still a debate. Well, let's talk about the future for just a moment, if we can, uh, Jim and Bob, because I, I want to talk about the future in a couple of different categories. First, I guess this isn't the future. It's the present, which is a, a new competitor that's been very strong in the space, which is uh, Airbnb. would like to get your point of view on how that has impacted the business. Um, the second uh, future change I want to talk about is if we are at the more pessimistic end of the scale and we do see a lot of hotels closing, and I've heard a number, as many as 20,000 hotel rooms in New York City may never reopen. Um, how does that impact your uh, portfolio moving forward? Well, you know, coming into this Airbnb is shadow supply. So, uh, you know, supply when, you, when you're when you an owner of a hotel that's outside of uh, the basic fundamentals of the su- supply of hotels is never a good thing. What we have been finding prior to, to, to COVID was that it has impacted particularly big events like the Super Bowl and big gatherings like that. I've been hearing two things on the Airbnb front post-COVID. One, uh, reservations are up in destination drive-to locations, similar to hotels. uh, Reservations are up in those same destinations. Uh, But I've also been hearing that inner city uh, urban uh, Airbnb is not doing well. There could be considerable stress in the system of owners who bought Airbnb units in major metro areas who now are carrying those units. It's the same as if you owned a hotel, right? And so if you bought, your, say you're, you've leveraged uh, your, balance, your own personal balance sheet and bought five units in New York City, and you've been doing really well with that investment, well, that demand's dried up. So uh, what happens to that person that owns those units? Um, uh, they're going to be in, under the same liquidity stress as hotel owners. I don't think you can kind of paint Airbnb with the same brush everywhere. But, you know, no question, if you want to take your family somewhere and you don't want to be around other people, you know, uh, VRBO or Airbnb is a good solution for that. But once travel becomes more normalized, uh, I think we go back to the, to the same dynamic with maybe less supply than we had coming into this on, on both hotel ownership and Airbnb ownership. I'll echo what Bob said about Airbnb. In certain markets, you're going to see less Airbnb product. Uh, I think some of the other home sharing platforms that uh, that came online, like uh, Sonder and Lyric, I don't think that they're going to make it for the same reasons. You know, they've gone long on leases, and uh, you know, unless the landlords are truly willing to, you know, uh, forbear uh, and forgive. I think it's going to be challenging for them to stay in business. And you know, uh, net new supply. When you talk about the rooms that are going to come out of the market, I agree with you completely, Spencer. New York is going to be significantly impacted. I mean, twenty thousand rooms is a number that I've heard, and uh, you know, you can point to certain hotels that have already said, uh, you know, we're closing. I mean, the Omni Berkshire in New York City said. They're not reopening. The addition in Times Square, the Roosevelt, um, the uh, Hotel Pennsylvania. Uh, you know, this is early days of this crisis. So I think you'll see a number of hotels closed, not only in New York City, but in other markets as well. Hey, Jim, I have a question. 
Do you yeah. take the over or the under on 20,000? I take the over. How about you? I do too. I, I want to bet against you, but I can't, I can't take that. <laughs> well, as the host who's been criticized for being too optimistic, I'm going to take the under. Okay, good. Uh, but I, and the reason I'm going to take the under is because I think that, uh, and I, again, I hate to bring up the 9-11 comp, but you have to talk about how business behavior is going to rebound. And a lot of people post 9-11 were concerned about coming back to New York City and tall buildings. But once the buildings were made safer, people came back. And I think buildings are now going to become weller, if that's even a word, and people will be comfortable coming back. So I think you know New York City will come back strong. Uh, it's going to have a tough 12 to 18 months. Don't get me wrong here, but it will come back strong. It just has too many things going for it from a durable demand driver standpoint, from capital, infrastructure, uh, and otherwise. I agree with you. New York has been down before. But I do think that... The reason I'm going to take the over is because there was way too much supply in New York. It couldn't absorb what was being built pre-COVID. And, you know, it is a very high cost operating environment. Uh, It's challenging from that perspective. I think you're going to see that change going forward. One more operational question. Um, For a consumer that's going to one of your hotels today, um, how will the experience be different today and then say 18 months from now. Does 18 months from now go back to business as usual? Or are there some permanent operational changes to things like pools and restaurants and gyms? What do you think? I think you're going to see uh, permanent changes to the operating model going forward. Um, we're having conversations with the brands uh, with respect to brand standards. Each of the brands has approximately 300 brand standards. And we are methodically reviewing each of those Uh, standards with them. So you may not see in many instances restaurants open for three meals if it's not necessary. Going forward, you're going to see breakfast buffets eliminated and the club lounges, whether it's the the concierge lounge or the M club, you're not going to see hot buffets there. You're going to see cold buffets only uh, going forward. You know, with respect to fitness centers, I would hope that we get back to, to where we were before. That is a number one guest amenity uh, today, I mean, in many markets, uh, even if the hotel is open, the fitness center has to remain shuttered uh, due to local regulations. And you're going to see less people in the lobby, I think. Uh, you know, we are talking about uh, the potential of combining uh, various job grades, job classifications. So, you know, you're not going to need to have a fully functioned and staffed front desk, assuming that uh, we can convince people to use mobile key. Uh, and you might have one attendant in a lobby who will not only function as a, you know, a front desk agent, but also, you know, as a concierge and as a at your service uh, individual as well. So I don't know that you're going to have a separate concierge desk going forward. So it's obviously going to vary by market. It's going to vary by, you know, whether a property is union or non-union. But I think you're going to see a lot of changes. Well, let me jump on that for a second. I'm going to come to you, Bob, right now, because... And, and I use this term because I read it once in the Financial Times. They talked about the breakfast buffets as being the muffin mountain at these hotels and you know, stacking up all this food. And the reason why they did it is because food is cheaper than labor. So, Bob, how does labor play into your uh, analysis for your uh, buyers and sellers of hotels? Well, I think Jim actually touched on a number of uh, changes that uh, he's predicting brands are, are willing to make. And I think all of those are labor related. So that's more overall a reduction in labor 
uh, despite the fact that you might have, particularly in the interim, your cleaning costs and labor costs might actually spike because of the virus. I think coming out of this, call it 2023, uh, theoretically, if we get back to 2019 levels of RevPAR and we make these changes, theoretically, hotels should be more profitable than they were in 2019 on the same revenue with a few exceptions, uh, real estate taxes. No one can predict uh, the stress on municipalities uh, given the value degradation of uh, real estate that they apply to their real estate taxes. Uh, And uh, insurance uh, could be affected. So those are two fixed costs that that could actually go up and had been going up coming into uh, 2020. So there's going to be an offset, impossible to predict. I, I do know that, you know, I, I'm a big believer in, in our research group, as you know, Spencer, and they're predicting that NOI, GOP levels actually will trail the recovery in RevPAR, probably because of those cost items. Intuitively, I think actually NOI would come back earlier than RevPAR because of what Jim just said, but, uh, you know, just impossible to predict at this stage. It's impossible to predict is right. I mean, we looked at the recovery of the hotel operating model post uh, 9-11 and post the Great Recession. And, you know, I think 2023 is a a pretty good metric um, if we perform relative to how we performed in the past. But, uh, Bob, I, I mean, I, I hope you're right that NOI comes back faster because I don't, I don't think that NOI and EBITDA is going to come back for another year after we get back to peak levels because of all the costs. So we'll see. Well, that's exactly what our research group is predicting, Jim. Yeah. So, and and you're, you know, you're more knowledgeable because of your portfolio as to how that flow through you know, will look, um, but uh, impossible to tell, Spencer. So as a consumer... Going into these hotels, are you still going to have a fun and unique experience? And how do you do so and still uh, have that safety, feeling safe factor, Jim? Look, Spencer, I think it comes down to when do we get a vaccine? I really believe that there is going to be heightened caution on the part of everyone. uh, And there should be, quite frankly, until we get a vaccine, until, until we roll it out. And then I think people will get back to having fun. I mean, I can tell you, you know, we are ready to travel. And I think my whole team is ready to travel. I mean, at hosts, we're loosening our travel restrictions uh, this week, actually. We had uh, prohibited uh, business travel, but there are a lot of people that have got to get back on the road. So we're slowly getting back to business. Well, Bob, let me um, ask you a wrap-up question. Um, You mentioned uh, you've been through many crises what do you say to some of the younger professionals, particularly those in the hotel area that haven't? This has got to be a little scary to them, a lot scary to them. What are you telling them? You know, I've been through four uh, deep uh, uh, downturns in hotel demand, uh, shocks to the system. That This is by far the worst. There's always opportunity coming out of events like this, Spencer. And um, while it's, it's difficult to be a young professional today, you know, you just have to uh, make sure that you're aware of what's going on so that you can use it in the future uh, and remember what it was like. Because I, I'm very different today than I was in the 1990s when, you know, I was worried. You, you change uh, your habits, you change uh, how your own personal balance sheet looks and so forth. So 
I think they need to be eyes wide open, but also be optimistic. Jim, what's your advice to uh, younger professionals? Absolutely the same advice. There will be opportunities to come out of this. A crisis is an opportunity to learn and to learn what to do and what not to do. I was steeped in um, the real estate downturn in uh, 1989, 1990, 1991. And I had a, um, a mentor back then who, um, uh, gave me a piece of uh, advice that I, I'll never forget, and I tell people this all the time, the younger professionals. You're getting a PhD and you don't even know it. You'll never learn this in a classroom. You'll never learn how to manage a business uh, through turbulent times uh, out of a textbook. So take advantage of it and just hang in there, and uh, there will be better times around the corner. Well, on behalf of The Weekly Take, I want to thank you, Jim Rosolio, President and CEO of Host Hotels. Jim, thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Spencer. Thank you. Thank you. And Bob, my colleague, my friend, Vice Chairman and President of the Institutional Hotel Group at CBRE, Bob Webster, thank you for joining us as well. Thank you, Spencer. I always enjoy our, uh, our podcast together. For more information, go to CBRE backslash The Weekly Take. Until next time, I'm Spencer Levy. Be smart, be safe, be well.